0: Member FDIC.
1: Hello, welcome to the post-production podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And this is the post-production podcast... How has your production week
2: been, Rachel? Pretty good. Just been doing some boring production type administration this week. Well, the admin is boring, that is. Not the production itself. So I've just been spending the week working on production schedules for the semester so that I can hit the ground running when I get back to school. How about you? Well, I
1: have been helping install lights in the event center at the library. Oh. So that's been fun. That's right up your alley too. Kind of. It's the, the networking and the more technical cool setup side of things, that all tends to go over my head. But I'm great at plugging things in. I can do that. (laughs) Proud of you. Before we get started, Rachel, I think we should just take a second to uh, address the State of the Union, just because uh, we are not a political podcast. We've said this before, but we are not unaware of everything that's happening. And I think we just want to serve as a place of not necessarily escape but just a place where you can relax a little bit maybe just get a laugh in for the day because it's tough out there and if you're listening to this way far out in the future we are recording this the day after that whole storm the capital thing happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) so things are a little tense right now to say the least but yeah just just remember to be kind to each other Because everybody's
2: having a hard time right now in their own special way. For sure. Honestly, this is not a podcast about politics or religion or philosophy or usually anything controversial, but at the same time, it would be a little bit tone deaf to just continue making content and pretending like the country isn't seemingly going up in flames every two seconds. Yeah. So I I should note that now that I've had my seven-day trial of 2021, I would like to return it and just move on to 2022. (laughs) But in the meantime, yes. Uh, Obviously, I don't think either of us stand by any of the violence at the Capitol yesterday whatsoever in any form and... We would really encourage all of you to try to be kind on social media. It kind of feels like a dumpster fire out there. And I know I, I feel like I'm constantly biting my tongue because I have to ask myself constantly, is it actually productive to say this inflammatory thing or comment this snarky comment? Or is it just going to serve as something that is continuously divisive? You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, and I think the best way to stop the divisiveness is to be kind to other people instead of adding more fuel to the dumpster fire. Yeah, so that's that's our little reminder for the day, and we are going to smoothly transition into this week's topic <laughs> of movie
2: theaters. <laughs> yes! Uh, we, we miss going to the theater. Movie theaters. Haven't been in one in a year. Right. Easily, which is insane, because I don't go to the movie theater that often. But at the same time, in a normal year, I'm definitely there more than zero times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my dad and my brother and sister and I would go to the theater for just about nearly every Marvel movie, every Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Same. So that was just kind of our thing. So that was about four-ish times a year. But yeah, since that's all gone... Now, we are going to remind you about the joys of movie theaters and maybe even the reasons we're glad that we don't have to actually go to a theater <laughs> to watch movies right now. So we're, we're going to start with a brief history of the theater. Rachel has done a lot of research on this. Surprisingly, not me, the almost history major.
2: <laughs> True. By a lot of research, I mean I looked at a few articles and put a single link in our shared drive. Yes, yeah, so it's a very interesting link. Very yeah, right? Yeah, and like the the history of movie theaters is actually super interesting. So a history of movie theaters provided by Rachel H. Ball.
1: Rachel Ball.
2: Rachel Ball. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> There's a throwback of a joke. <laughs> cool. So you can get all nitty gritty and go back all the way to the little Magic Lantern shows with the the moving shadows and the whatnot. Or you can go back and look at the Nickelodeons, which were just the you go pay a nickel and see a a little put together film. Nickelodeon. Yeah, which cracks me up because I I never made the connection between Nickelodeon, the channel, and Nickelodeon, the ancient pre-movie theater form of entertainment. But that is because I'm a certified idiot.
1: No, I mean... I get most of my historical facts from random places on the internet. So it's something I already knew, but I have no idea how I know or how long I've known. But yeah, Nickelodeons, because they, they took nickels and you could watch a short little movie, which was only like a few minutes long at that point. Right. And this was popular in, in like the early 1900s, started in 1905, and then it gradually grew and grew.
2: Yeah, right. I think... Maybe my favorite era, so to speak, of movies, maybe not my favorite. One of my more favorite eras of movie theaters would definitely have to be the transition from vaudeville theaters into movie theaters, because vaudeville is such a fun, interesting, rich era of theater history, and then you combine it with this new medium of production, the movie and me as a musician and a producer, like my brain just explodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the 1910s, people started converting these super old historic vaudeville theaters into silent film theaters and then they threw orchestras in there this was super cool and i didn't know this because i being someone who did not live in the silent film era i thought that you just watched a silent film and it was silent i mean i lived then so you know oh yeah because you're a fossil (laughs) apparently many bigger movie theaters would have live pianists or organists there who would just play along with the movie like Curie said, bigger theaters would even have small orchestras there just providing a live film score to this silent film.
1: Yeah, how would you like to provide a live dramatic soundtrack
2: to any movie? I mean, come on. I saw Disney's Fantasia in like 2015 or 2016, and it was the silent version accompanied by the Colorado Springs Philharmonic, I think.
1: Hey, guess what? What? I haven't seen Fantasia. Oh! <laughs> I know. Oh,
2: no. There's
1: magic in it. I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. And at this point, it's just like, why do I? But I mean, I guess it is a classic that I should watch eventually just for the sake of culturing
2: myself. But that is so sad. I know. It's so good. (laughs) Yikes. Well, maybe you and I need to have a pretend vaudeville converted theater silent film date (laughs) and watch Fantasia together. Patreon anyone? Yeah, no kidding. Subscribe to our podcast if you think Kiri needs to get educated and watch freaking Fantasia.
1: Rachel hasn't seen Avatar the Last Airbender, so we're we're on even ground here.
2: Yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) Anyways, so sound shows up in 1927 for films, starting with a film called The Jazz Singer. Of course. And literally within three years of sound being introduced silent films were completely gone, Hmm. which makes sense because so much of- It's
1: so much more interesting when you can hear stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. So much of the appeal of a movie is the soundtrack and the dialogue, and also it just clarifies so much more what is actually going on in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Then we usher in the era of the movie theater as we know it, complete with the classic folding theater chairs- (laughs) Movie concessions such as popcorn, raisinettes, and milk duds. Delicious.
1: Yeah, donuts were also a popular movie theater snack at some point. Oh, really? I think I learned that through an American Girl book. Might have been 1940s, probably the Molly books.
2: I love that.
1: I was way into American Girl.
2: I, I think I only ever read the Kit Kittredge series all the way through.
1: I read pretty much every single one that was available at the time yeah and all the historical girls i wasn't really into the modern ones oh, i was into me all the neither. historical stuff of course yeah right of course i was like i said almost a history major Nerd. anyway movie theaters
2: movie theaters here's a quiz question curie mm-hmm. what was the first color film in theaters oh i just scrolled past it let's see
1: snow white and the seven Dwarfs. You, you. according to this article Although there is some debate. I watched a video about Technicolor yesterday, and Wizard of Oz was not the first movie to use Technicolor. There were other films that had used it, but they didn't blow up quite the same way as Wizard of Oz had. Hmm. Yeah, see, the Technicolor process came in 1932, and Wizard of Oz premiered in 1939. So uh, there had been... Technicolor movies well before Wizard of Oz, but Wizard of Oz is often falsely crowned the first color film live action color film, of course.
2: Right, right. Because you have Snow White, which was released in 1937, which was sort of the first big animated movie with color in theaters. And then you have The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind in 1939. It's interesting, too, to note that apparently color hadn't been widely implemented in films simply because of how much it cost to make a film with color.
1: Right, yeah. Well, in in that video I watched, it was by Vox. It talked about just the Technicolor video, it was was like 10-15 minutes long, but the cameras they used, there's a, one of the cameras they used in The Wizard of Oz is on display at the Smithsonian, and the cameras they used took three different films, red, green, blue, and recorded it on the three films, and then they got layered together, and there's your Technicolor, but Those cameras were so big and so noisy (laughs) that it was such a hassle. Wow. So, like, I can see why these movies were expensive, because for three different roles to get enough light the sets needed to be lit so much. Yeah. Apparently it got really hot on set because of all the extra light. That's also why they used the ruby slippers because even though the book doesn't specify ruby slippers, I think it says they're white or something.
2: I think they're silver in the books.
1: Silver, that's it. Yeah. But they chose ruby so that it would reflect really well and be really pretty. With the Technicolor. Hmm. Even though Wizard of Oz wasn't the first Technicolor film, I think it was the first Technicolor film to really take advantage of the beauty of it.
2: Mm -hmm. It explains, too, why old Hollywood studios from like the 20s through the 50s were just blindingly lit all the time.
1: Yeah, because you need light to get light into a dark place. (laughs) Incredible. The cameras being the dark place. Lighting
2: theory with Uh, Kiri.
1: Hey, that rhymes. Professional lighting designer, Kiri Jones.
2: Yes. I think it's also important to note that moving through theater history for a long, 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 long time, movie theaters were actually super segregated. Mm -hmm. For a while, there were theaters for white people and theaters for everyone else. And then after a while, it was, you know, (laughs) if white people get the seats on the floor with the good view and then sadly other people were forced to quote head up the stairs to the balcony which is just so unfortunate
1: the front row at the movies is the worst
2: yeah i always sit in the back at the same time i feel like i can't super speak to that experience as well because at that point i could have just walked into whatever theater i wanted and sat wherever i wanted and paid whatever i wanted you know what i mean right yeah Interestingly enough, though Hollywood's golden era sort of strikes following World War II, right? So in the forties, movie theaters are just sort of seen as a place you can go to escape the war. Ironically, because the government just constantly showed propaganda reels before and after movies.
1: Yeah, that's what I was, another thing I learned from the Molly books. They would go to the theater, and it would show a news reel then the movie, and then newsreel. You know, that was how people stayed updated on the war, was they would go to the theater and look at some of the footage.
2: Right, yeah. So, yeah, following World War II, Hollywood sort of blows up, um, and all these big stars like Elvis Presley and James Dean come along and start starring in movies and with these huge soundtracks to keep people interested. And following that, we have... The drive-in movie theater. Which have been
1: brought back with the help of a pandemic. Yes. Pretty much that because a lot of movie theaters are doing that now. They're showing movies as a a drive-in. A local theater in my hometown just blew up this big inflatable projector and they showed various movies Mm -hmm. and had people park in the parking lot. course that was over the summer now it's a lot colder so it's not as fun but yeah who knew it would take a pandemic to bring back drive-ins
2: yeah well and it's interesting because I never would have thought of this living in the 21st century but I guess a lot of the golden age of Hollywood and The advent of drive-in movie theaters actually came because theaters were having to get innovative because they felt like they were being swamped by television demand. Hmm. A lot of people would just stay home and turn on their TV, which was coming more and more accessible, instead of going to the movie theater.
1: Yet today that translates to just waiting until it shows up on Netflix or Disney Plus so you can watch it for relatively cheaper. For real,
2: brief rabbit trail back into the 21st century. I will be super interested to see if drive-in movie theaters have sort of a, a longer lasting resurgence following the COVID-19 pandemic. I kind of hope they do.
1: Yeah, because I... It's such a great concept, and you don't have to sit next to people you don't know. (laughs)
2: Honestly, the introvert's dream. Yeah. Yeah, I always loved drive-in movies growing up, and I was actually really sad when I was doing my research for this podcast to see that only 400 drive-in movie theaters remain in the US. Yeah. That's an approximate projection, but it's still really sad considering how much of a, a landmark drive-in movie theaters are in American history, and just how fun it is to go every spring and summer and watch drive-in movies late at night with your friends in the back of your car. I, I'm very hopeful that one good thing that could come out of the pandemic is maybe a longer lasting resurgence in the popularity and vitality of drive-in movies. Yeah, that's
1: that should be our top priority right now.
2: Honestly. Yeah, forget <laughs> engaging with politics, passing school, going to work, We should drop everything and just... Rebuild drive-in movie theaters. Patronize movie theaters. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, yikes. Anyway. Anyway, in the mid-60s and into the 70s, America starts implementing the multiplex movie theater, which is pretty much the only kind of movie theater I have ever been to in my life. Multiplex being a movie theater that has lots of screens in the movie theater, all showing different movies at different times. So in the 60s, they find that this is super profitable, very popular. Movie theater owners are like, holy crap, I'm making bank, all that good stuff. And multiplexes come to America And then stick around literally forever.
1: Yep. They also implemented things like widescreens and surround sound and all kinds of crazy stuff that is perfectly normal today.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's see. Other notable developments. I don't know. You could spend a lot of time talking about IMAX and 3D movies and 4D movies and whatnot.
1: Yeah. 3D movies. I think we've discussed this before. There was a weird period of time that when every single movie was released in 3D for some reason. Yeah. And it was it was weird. It was weird. Like movies that didn't even need to be released in 3D. Like yeah. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. They re-released it in 3D. <laughs> I think I think the plan was to re-release all of them in 3D, but because they started with episode one, which was very widely hated by people who were old enough to go to the theater on their own, it did not do well, so they just canceled that project. <laughs> but at least the pod racing was cool. Fair. Who doesn't want to see a bunch of Senate meetings in 3D? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I didn't see I didn't see the re release in three D mostly because I did. I am a person who is <laughs> extremely prone to motion sickness, uh. meaning I think I saw one or two three D movies, and it was literally only because I showed up to the theater and they were like, "Oh, we're we're booked out on this this regular version of the movie you want to see, but if you hurry, you can make it to the three D version. Here are your glasses. Also, we're charging you an extra five dollars." Right, and I was like, "Okay." And then I would just go and feel like slightly off kilter and nauseous the whole movie. And then wonder why I didn't like the movie afterwards.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I think movies like Captain America and the first Avengers movie was all released in 3D. I think I watched those in 3D as well. The Avengers is one of those movies. I think I watched that one in the theater three times because it was really cool for the time period. It was my favorite movie for a long time.
2: Same, yeah. I don't think I saw Avengers in theaters because it came out when I was like, I want to say 12 or something.
1: Yeah, that would have been about right. I was 13.
2: Yeah. So I was 12 when Avengers came out, which was like just before I started going to see movies by myself with my friends.
1: Oh, I wasn't even allowed to do that. I just went with my dad.
2: That's fair. Of course, he's
1: really into those kinds of movies too.
2: See, we were cheapskates in my house. (laughs) Meaning because there are six people in my family, it it was kind of an investment to go spend a lot of money at the movie theater to see a movie we weren't sure would be good or not. Also because movies that me and my dad would like, my littler siblings might have been scared of and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: well, that's that's what we did. My dad would just take me and or my brother and we'd leave mom at home with my sisters and go watch our action movie or superhero movie or Star Wars movie, whatever. Right, yeah. And then one of my sisters got old enough and we started taking her too. And it was, it was always just a fun little outing.
2: I think the only movies I've ever gone to see multiple times in theaters were, hmm, I saw Rogue One a couple of times in movie theaters. I rewatched Rogue One this week. I, I, it was good. It was really good. Rogue One, okay, here, here's a funny story about the first time I saw Rogue One. I am just such a supreme idiot <laughs> that I, I was sitting in a theater, I think I saw it in Colorado Springs, like right when it came out. And the movie ended, and I'm going to issue a spoiler alert right now because I'm about to tell you how it ended. So if you haven't seen Rogue One, please skip to like 30 seconds from now. Give or take. Yeah, the movie ended, and I literally just sat there with my mouth wide open in the dead center of the back row, loudly going, wait, they died over and over and over again for the entire credit roll?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and they really did a risky thing by not making any of the characters we know the main character. So, like they introduced a whole band of new characters and they made us care about them and had them do this thing and then everybody died and it was like, oh, Oh, although I was kind of expecting that to happen because it's implied that everyone died. But
2: uh, anyway, spoilers are done. Yes. You're safe now. Anyways, so I definitely saw that one a few times after it came out and after I'd gotten over my initial disbelief at the ending. The only other movie I've seen multiple times in a theater might have been Epic. Did you ever see that one? Not in the theater, but yeah, I've seen it. I I went to go see it with my friends when it came out and we were maybe in eighth grade, I want to say, and it was so good. Because when I went to go see it with my friends, they had already seen it like one or two times. And we were all just so obsessed with that movie after we saw it the first time that we kept going to go see it. <laughs> it was a weird movie. It was a it was a super weird premise, but at the same time, like, it was just such a wholesome movie and... Also, the art is beautiful. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone ever talks about epic and refers to the fact that, like, the artwork and animation in that movie is literally gorgeous. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. But it was beautiful, but it was really weird. <laughs> I think
1: I was much more um, put off by the weirdness of it. But it, it was a good movie. And there was Beyonce, so. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there there have been a few movies that I've seen More than once in the theater. I think I saw Kung Fu Panda twice. (laughs) No! Yeah. It ain't so! (laughs) I saw The Last Jedi twice. You saw it when it first came out, and then my brother and I pitched in and got for Christmas, we got my dad tickets to see it in IMAX for the three of us. So we watched it again in, in IMAX, and that was my first IMAX movie. And that was weird. It was great for the battle sequences. But for the parts Ooh, where they're just, like, yeah. talking to each other, it was a little bit like, okay, now look over here, and now look over here. <laughs> so it was a little <laughs> right. bit odd. But, yeah, for, like, the parts where they're, like, flying through space, that, that was great.
2: That would be super cool. I actually have never seen a movie in an IMAX theater.
1: You know, The Last Jedi is the only one I've seen in IMAX partially because it's kind of expensive but also Mm. you got to find just the right movie to really appreciate the whole imax thing right a movie that's mostly just about like people standing around talking and doing stuff yeah but maybe one that's more action-packed with like driving or flying or whatever that would be a good choice oh you know what 1917 would be a great one to see in IMAX.
2: True. 1917 or wrapping it back to what we were talking about a while ago, I would kill to see the first Avengers in IMAX.
1: That would be a good one too. Okay, we do have to answer this question. What was the first movie you ever saw in theaters? Hmm. Because for me, it was VeggieTales, The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything movie. (laughs) It was my ninth birthday present. (laughs) I'm not kidding.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) It was my ninth birthday present and it was a surprise. So it was like, we're going to go watch this new VeggieTales movie. I was like, okay, cool. VeggieTales has a new movie and we're going to watch it. That's at the theater. Oh, Oh. now that that makes it cool. Of course, what was funny was like at the end of the movie where they're having the final like moral of the story talk, people in the back going, amen, you know, (laughs) I
2: I wow. Texas is something else. It, it's it's a great movie, by the way. <laughs> it is. Maybe my mom is going to listen to this podcast and just absolutely wreck me. So I think the first movie I can never remember seeing in theaters was Toy Story 3, right when it came out in 2010.
1: I saw that one in theaters, yeah.
2: That one shredded me because... Oh my gosh. It, it, okay, and I, it's very possible I had seen a movie in theaters before then. It's extremely possible. I just don't remember it. But because I didn't go to movie theaters very often in my early childhood, I was sitting in that movie theater and <laughs> during the part where they're all sliding towards the incinerator slowly. Oh, man. Little tiny yeah. 10-year-old Rachel. Uh-huh. Also, I get really sucked into movies. I've, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I am like, <laughs> I am in the movie with the characters and so i was sitting in my little crummy tinsel town chair like white knuckling both of the armholes (laughs) sobbing (laughs) and then and then of course everything is fine but then andy goes to college and then i sobbed again yeah and then the credits started rolling and i just like melted into my chair and sort of had to be pulled out of the theater by my parents I don't think you
1: were the only one I am certain you were not the only I was one
2: <laughs> guys like I I cry really hard during most movies but <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story 3 does it for me I shouldn't laugh like, I'm sorry no, other movie. no it's okay It, it really is funny it's just, oh uh, man. Well, I,
1: I I remember I cried too, and I was really embarrassed Guys, about it.
2: Why? Why did the Toy Story three writers think it was okay to do that? Is my question.
1: Emotional tension. How was that a kids movie? I think most of the people who were kids when the first Toy Story movies came out were a lot more grown. True. So it was probably partially targeted towards them. But then there's like these ten and eleven year olds who are watching this, like. Uh,
2: They're gonna die. All of my siblings were with me, too, experiencing Toy Story 3 in all of its glory on a giant screen we were not used to. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we survived. Yeah, and it's loud, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that one wrecked me.
1: Yeah. I mean, mo- movies make me cry more often than I'd like to admit, especially during those puberty years. <laughs> so I would like th- that. Was, that was the good thing about 3D glasses is it, it would hide my it tears. tears.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, like whenever the the screen would get just a little bit brighter, I would
2: kind of look to the side like, I hope no one can see that I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. I would like to apologize right now publicly to anyone that has ever seen a movie with me or will ever see a movie with me, because even if it is the happiest movie on the planet, I, who take pride in being a cold and unfeeling person, still manage to sob during every single movie I see. Uh, Yeah, Emperor's
1: New Groove really gets to you, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) I... I was working on an extremely long stretch of homework last night, and I I mentioned it in one of my meme group (laughs) chats. One of? Hold on. There are many. (laughs) (laughs) One of my good friends (laughs) responded by sending me a highlight reel entitled, All the Best Moments in the Emperor's New Groove. Let me tell you, it really helped. I felt way more productive after having watched that.
1: Man, I should have sent you a bunch of pictures of Orlando Bloom and Jeremy Renner just to yeah brighten your day, you know.
2: Guys, I hope you know that every week when Kiri texts me to schedule a time to record together, she accompanies it with a picture of Orlando Bloom. Here, here's a a potentially entertaining question: mm-hmm. What are some movies that you've seen in theaters that were not worth seeing?
1: Hmm. None of them stand out as like, man, I really should not have watched this in the theater. Hmm. There's some more. Obscu- oh, wait. Spy Kids 4.
2: Oh, man. yay! <laughs> I was hoping one of us had seen a Spy Kids movie in theaters.
1: Yes. Yeah, Spy Kids 4 was quite something. It came with a card that you can scratch and sniff so that it was 4D as a nod to Spy Kids 3 being in 3D. Yeah, it was weird. And I, I was like, it didn't follow the usual characters. It followed this whole different family. And then the original characters made cameos. And that was it. Right. And I was like, eh, this is... Eh. Yikes. I don't know how old I was, but but yeah, Spy Kids 3 was quite something too.
2: Spy Kids 3 came out a long time ago. I, I saw that one like on streaming services. I want
1: to say like two 2000- thousand three 2004
2: yeah it was 2003 yeah my grandma took me and my brother to go see it because
1: we liked the original spy kids movies and so we thought oh cool there's another one coming out you know like kids are which is good it's good to be enthusiastic about things okay guys but yeah I was like well (laughs) this isn't as fun because it's not following the characters I know and love rough
2: also I'm gonna say this I'm gonna stand by it the Spy Kids movies are all objectively bad movies. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love Spy Kids 1 and 2. I love them yeah, so much. Yeah, those are... But I'm the first to admit that they're bad movies. I remember the
1: first time I watched those movies, I was like, this is really weird, but for some reason, I love it. <laughs> it's really fun and fast-paced. and like It's made for kids, you know? Yeah. Kids don't have high standards. That's something that drives me nuts about adult star wars fans that are unhappy with the newer movies that get released because of course your standards aren't where they were when you were seven like come yeah, on <laughs> exactly go into it with childlike wonder and it'll all be okay
2: there's definitely a certain element of nostalgia that makes some movies good and worth rewatching. Yeah. you know what i mean not every movie sticks with you because it It was a cinematic masterpiece the first time you watched it. Like, there are emotional and nostalgic elements to that as well. Yeah.
1: And movies are a chance to kind of take a break from all the stresses of being an adult in the real world. (laughs) And just sit back
2: and enjoy the movie. Right. Yeah. So here is a movie that was both not worth it and it was stressful. Oh, boy. It did not take my mind away from the stresses of the world. And I am I'm speaking to the one time in my entire life that I have been persuaded to go see a horror movie in theaters. Oh no. Curie. Never. Here's the thing, everyone. I'm really I'm not a horror movie person. Me neither. I don't enjoy them. I understand that for a lot of people they really like the thrill. They really like some of the filmmaking aspects. And I I like that you like that, friends. It's just not for me. So, when I was like 17, maybe, um, a couple of my high school friends were like, hey, we're going to go see a movie you want to come with. I was like, yeah, sure. We didn't really talk about what movie we were going to see. We just kind of showed up at the theater and picked a showing. And unfortunately for me, The Conjuring 2 had just come out. <laughs>
1: I don't know very much about it, but I know it has quite a reputation.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, the first movie had quite a reputation in terms of being extremely scary and extremely graphic and just not the move for a teenager or anyone, honestly. (laughs) So my friends were like, oh, we should go see this movie. It'll be fun. It'll be edgy, whatever. And me being a sucker for people's opinions, I was like, sure, yeah, whatever. I didn't think it would be that bad guys, it was that bad. It was worse than that. (laughs) So so I paid, I think, $7.45, which was about what a ticket cost at Tinseltown in Colorado Springs in 2016 or 17. And we went to go see this movie and it was a complete waste of $7.45 because I covered my eyes for over 75% of the movie. Uh. All of us agreed that Not only was the movie not worth seeing, but that we were not going to sleep well for a while. Right. And both of those things were true. (laughs) Have you ever had like a super weird experience in a movie theater? You know, movie theaters were always a little bit weird
1: because you're sitting in a dark room full of strangers just waiting (laughs) for (laughs) a movie to start. Occasionally there's a child or just a really loud person. And there's always that one person who reacts to everything.
2: Yep. Yep. I will- okay, I need to admit right now, I am the person. That is me.
1: I'm sorry. Patreon, anyone? We need to do reaction videos. Yeah. That would be some good content. Actually, I think my favorite movie theater experience was when, the first time we saw The Last Jedi. I was with my dad, my brother, and my sister, and my sister was like 12. And so, spoilers- The part where Laura Dern puts the ship into hyperspace and cuts through the entire enemy fleet and there's just no sound at all and it's actually really cool and it looks amazing and like the the silence actually made it extra dramatic and my sister just goes I love the silent death (laughs) very loudly. (laughs) <laughs> in the middle of that moment That's awesome <laughs> Like no noise in the movie The entire theater is just like quiet Like wow And then my sister is just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> At the top of her lungs That's awesome And then when we saw it again in IMAX without her <laughs> And it came to that scene uh, My dad and my brother and I were like Trying to hold back laughter Because that's what we could think That's all we could think of when that scene came <laughs> up <laughs>
2: that's awesome oh my gosh that would be me honestly <laughs> I'm the one who like is still laughing at the punchline 30 seconds later during the movies <laughs> I, yeah I do that too sometimes oh I'm also the one where if there is anything like remotely scary that like remotely jumps I'm the person in the theater who's who will yell. Mm-hmm. like <laughs> involuntarily. Yeah, i can hear it too like,
1: ah! yeah that that is the exact <laughs> scream i was picturing yep well i hope you learned something today we certainly have this was actually a very educational episode on top of being hopefully also extremely entertaining yes
2: not only did we talk about the history of movie theaters, we also talked about our personal history with movie theaters, which oh, that is um, widely varied and <laughs> fairly entertaining and filled with a lot of tears we wish no one would ever know about. And yet we're here <laughs> on our podcast telling you guys about them
1: let us know what the worst movie you've ever seen in the theater is by either dming us on instagram or sharing this story nope or sharing this episode to your instagram story and tagging us at kiri underscore jones at rachel h and h and go ahead and give us a follow while you're there And follow our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both. You can do both. Mm -hmm. Leave us a comment and a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And uh,
2: check out our website, postprodpod.com. Yes. And be sure to tune in next Saturday for a brand new fresh poppin' episode of Us Being Us. Fresh poppin'. Fresh poppin'. (laughs) And with that, this has been the Post-Production Podcast. Podcast. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Member FDIC.